So tonight we'll do a very important subject, relevant, pertinent to our days. The tumult and our people that is going around in our time with the relationship of the, the national and the spiritual, the religious camp and the nationalist camp. If we can give some ways of solutions to uh, alleviate the problems, bring the nation back to its true grandeur. When Orot, page 45, Memhe, Periklamid Alif. Memhe, the middle of the page there starts with paragraph Lamid Alif. And again, there's repercussions, misunderstanding in many areas. טעות גדולה היא ביד אותם שאינם מרגישים את האחדות הסגולית של ישראל. זה גרוע מסתק, ואחדות הסגולית של ישראל, The content, the true inner content of Jewish people, of harmony, of unity, of the true aspects that make up our lives, the physical and the spiritual. And the people that don't sense that, don't understand that, aren't aware of that. The chapetinim bedimyonam lahashvot zanyal ukiyazayim, they wish. To compare this divine essence, this divine content, in Analoki, like the Kuzari called Amisur, has upon it the transcending divine content comes through this nation. It's not like every other nation. And they wish, because of their misunderstanding, to compare, to identify this divine which is unique to the Jewish character, to compare to every other nation, the content of every other nation and land and people. All the other nations in the family of mankind. They want to compare it. They want to be like everyone else. Why are we different? Why should we be different? We're not only different. Why shouldn't we run our nation? Like everyone else. And every other nation, especially in these recent times, he's referring to the modern uh, waking up of nationalism. Nationalism rises up in the framework of negating and denying religion. Separation of church and state. In order to be a healthy, vital nation, we have kohot, we have forces of life that are coming back to their, to demand their full expression, which is good, which is positive, which is divinely inspired. And they look elsewhere, they look around the world and see how nations come back to be vital, strong, healthy nations. And they see that that, to, 
is brought about through the denial, the negation of religion, the shackles of religion that suffocate life, individual life, all the more so national life. For a nation to be alive, develop itself, its powers, its powers, its strength, religion blocks all that. Indeed, certain religions do that. I'm separating the physical from the spiritual. I mean, the ability to bring down a spiritual ideal into national existence. So therefore, stay away from nationalism, stay away from this society. Right? The first Christians were the Jews. They wanted more holiness that can be found in society, in the culture, in the civilization that was surrounding you. It's just as a factor for uh, taking you away from the spiritual. So they ran away to these caves, right? Yamamela, the Asians, they looking for more holiness. So they went away from the physical world, the practical world, definitely the national collective world and society. And this holiness can be gained and only be revealed and expressed when separated from this world, the physical, the national. And later development in Christian theology of that in principle, the inability to uplift all, to elevate all. So therefore, if you have an aspiration for the spiritual, that means more and more the negation of the physical, of the worldly. So when the worldly comes back to life again, man now finds himself, humanism and enlightenment and his powers and his intellect, he wishes to throw off these shackles that hold him down, hold him back from developing all those uh, powers and using them in the national sense, in communism, you know, with those that look to fix the world to help mankind. Like communism says, like Marx, that the religion is the opium of the masses. So he has this dichotomy, these people that want ideals, want a better world, want a fixed society. So they see that that's only done through the rejecting of religion, as they see religion, or they see it in the religion of the world, mainly Christianity. But the Jewish people, this great mistake in their hands, that don't understand the uniqueness of the Jewish content that Achdut Skulichi Bisel. They don't recognize the content of the unity, the harmony, the Neshama of Anisha, which contains both of those ideals, the physical and the spiritual. Both those sides are tied to the same thing, of one divine ideal revealed in this world, in this spiritual realm, and in the national fullness of life. Two sides of that same oneness. But they're not aware of that. So they figure, if you want to be a nation, you have to be like everyone else, which means to compare to all the to all the other nationalisms that are rising up. And therefore, from that derives the will, the desire to separate the national content, the spiritual, religious content, to two groups. 
Two separate factions. Never the twain shall meet. Separation of church and state. Separation of temple and state. Which, of Cook writes another letter in um, volume one, page two hundred and fifteen. He says there the separation. <laughs> I don't know it's true, but in the volume one, I'm bring it here to quote you, but he says there how for them, it's a positive thing, it's, it's, um, it's beneficial, this separation, because by them, the religion is something that suffocates. So to free yourself from those shackles is a positive thing, to let man free and develop himself. Because by, it's a positive thing, but by us, it's destructive. Because our essence is this oneness. As it says, as you write in a few pages before, if you look at page half, page 20, the bottom, the last line, the bottom, bottom of uh, page half. Hamishal has no separate dichotomy in his dualism of value. There is a dualism, so to speak, of, in reality, how it reveals itself through two and many the myriad of expression. But it's the one that reveals itself in the many. Ain vano alachim tirudim. The last line. Promise the bottom of the page. We don't have separate values. Either this or that. Ha'adud shochenet vano. The unity, the harmony, the absolute, total harmony of all of creation, the good of all, all that exists. Shochenet Banu dwells within us. The Or Hashem Echad Mechayz Kibbeinu and the divine light of the, the excuse me, the light of the divine one or the one God lives in our midst. The spiritual abstract ideals. That's I got another topic and that's another. It's connected. Maybe we'll see this elaborate later. But the divine lofty ideals of, of spirituality and so to speak metaphysical speculation is manifested in the actualization, in the commandments, in the, in the actual details of what you do in your life. And there's no contradiction. One is a manifestation, a continuation of the other. The fact you write in page Kufnun Ched, where you have the book, you can jump back and forth. Each one of these sources means uh, the inside. But here's the two lines on page Kufnun Ched. Beginning of Peregrav in Orat Yisrael. Kuf Nun Chet. Hanetiyah Lumit HaMasit. So, Peregrav in Yisrael. The national, practical inclination, aspect of the nation of Israel is the external dress of the spiritual inclination. The national, the collective, running the state of the kingdom of society is the earthly, the practical, living expression, the body of this lofty divine content. The Quran, the latter, this divine spiritual content, is the life and the soul of the former, of the national. 
They're not two separate things. We define them because they manifest themselves in our world as two seemingly separate aspects, the physical and the spiritual, the body and the soul. But uh that it's all one, it's all one extension. This continuum from the spiritual down to the physical. Where the place that our, our eyes meet and can pick up our physical senses that are limited to, at the moment to certain levels of uh, rays of light, wavelengths or sound, uh, we pick up certain aspects of reality and that's what we call that the physical, the real world. The real world. We call that the physical. But that which transcends that, that's just a metaphor, right? The idea of the waves. You know, even in the physical world, the light waves, we only pick up a small amount when our eyes see. Gamma rays and X-rays and, and ultraviolet and, and sound waves also. But yes, in the physical world, we only pick up a small part. I think in this whole dimension, continue of the divine ideal that manifests itself in all levels of creation. To our levels, indeed. Infinite levels upon levels and worlds and worlds. So we call the physical and what we can see, what we the tangible part. But the truth is it's all one extension, the extension of one God. Not extension. It's not a part of God, so to speak. It's all aspects, revelations, expressions of the divine, this divine good that enters our world, unfolds in our world, and all those to participate, to expose, to reveal more and more, and to link up to that infinite content that is flowing in our finite world. But if I understand that total white light, that's our essence. Not this color or that color. It's true there's a spectrum. If you put the light through the prism, so it separates and you have different colors. But the source is one. It's one white light that you're dissecting into different colors. But the whole, the holistic view, that's on the show. That's our essence. That's on the shaman. We don't have separate values. The Orashem, the divine light, right? The Orashem uh, the light of the one divine, the one God is alive inside of us. That one white light. That's our essence. But unfortunately, I don't want to aware of that. That's what this paragraph starts with. There's a mistake. There's a misunderstanding of ourselves. If there's people that don't understand that uniqueness, that Akhadut Skuli should be served. And they see us like everyone else. And therefore they try to set up the nation like everyone else. And if now the end thing is to separate from religion in order to be alive, there's deeper reasons, in other words, why they see religion as the enemy. Um, but they indeed want to separate, they want to be like everyone else, to be a strong from the Beit Midrash, from the, unfortunately, from the Torah learning studies of uh, learning centers, they didn't get the energy, the, the guidance, not that it's not there, in principle, it's there, but it wasn't developed, it wasn't learned for 2,000 years. To get the energy, the strength, the guidance of how to set up a state, how to set up a king on the practical level. That wasn't part of the curriculum, to put it mildly. So they looked elsewhere. They looked at universities, and they looked elsewhere in the, what we call the, right, the, they call the enlightened world. And there they got values of statehood of kingdom, which is separate from church and temple, the hospital. So from that comes this will, the <coughs> we want to separate the national content from the religious content. And they both 
uh, inherit, they both get a falsehood, a lie. They're both being now planted on, on false foundations. Why? Because Amazon isn't, can't build a part on half. Half a soul, half of a half, we're not pieces. The white light is the totality, there's no such thing as half, half alive. Okay, half pregnant. It's either all or nothing, so to speak. The oneness, the totality, that's our life, that's our essence. To set up a kingdom, so to speak, a secular nation, is false. We'll see again what he's referring to now, how that applies, what about the people that are doing so? We're talking about a secular nation, or that thinks that a secular nation, that's how they define themselves, and setting up the state accordingly. And so to the day, still fighting very strongly to do so. What they call here the Mapechan the secular revolution, which they, even more, in recent days, uh, are trying very strongly to, to further that revolution, to sever any ties from religion. So what deal with this question, how to relate to that? <coughs> how to relate to that uh, secular kingdom? Why is it, why though at this point, why is it a lie, why is it a falsehood to set up a nation like every other nation? Separate, without religion. He called in the Neamakshavah, all of the habits of thoughts, of feelings, and of ideals, that we find in the Jewish nation, they're all one inseparable unit. All the ideals, all the practical and all the spiritual, all the abstract, they're all, like I said, branches of this one tree, aspect of this one life. All together, all the different colors of the spectrum together, make that unique character, that unique form of the nation. All of it together. One part missing, then the whole, the true essence of the nation is now lacking. So that's the first mistake. People that don't understand that unique, unified concept of the nation, that white light aspect, that holistic understanding of the Jewish people, which necessarily is that what's called kinus, the kinus, the gathering of all the divine ideals, that are to be revealed in the world, that is in, that is the neshama, that is the inner makeup of this nation, that is its true inner country. Like it or not, recognize it or not, that's, that's what makes us sick, that's our energy. So the first mistake is that people don't know that, they're not aware of that, that fact. They wish to separate, we don't even like the body, like everyone else. Look, the same body, we have ten fingers, they have ten fingers, they have an army, we have an army. So that's the first mistake. But the book goes on. Omnam, kishem shetoim amitamtim lahafrid et ha-halakim abilti mitchalkim alalu. But just as those are mistaken, those that wish to separate these inseparable parts, and when they wish to separate them, ultimately, intrinsically, inherently, they are inseparable. You can't have one without the other. You can't have the body without the soul. So just like those are making a mistake. So too are mistaken those that think it's possible 
to separate. And the separation that those that wish to separate are trying to separate as if they might succeed. And it's a possibility. As if indeed you can do so. That maybe these people will manage to really set up a new Jewish nation to have no God in its midst. They're taking out God from the whole, from our nation. That'll be the end of the nation. And the second mistake is that people that believe that the first God might succeed. That it is indeed in the realm of possibility that they could do so. That you could take God out of the picture. So these are secular say that's what we're trying to do. We don't believe in God. Or they say they don't believe in God. Or they understand or misunderstand God. But nevertheless, those are the words. We're trying to take God out of the picture. Out of the national picture. Maybe leave it in the private. In the privacy of your home. But a God in the nation, the nation is God as one unit that we thrive from our spiritual content, divine ideals, in our practical lives as a nation, that they don't recognize. But there's other people that think, indeed, <coughs> these people might succeed in their separation attempt, in their separatist attempt. What's the ramification of that? What is the uh, outcome of that? Those people that believe that, that second mistake, that possibility of the first guy who's succeeding, and from that comes that they fight, they wage a war against those that are holding one part of the unified aspect of the nation, meaning the holding the secular, the nationalistic side. These people now wage their war. In other words, the religious, the Haredin world, so to speak, attacks and wants to get rid of and destroy the those that hold the other side. Because they see them as holding only one side. You want the nationalism without God. That would be totally destructive. That would be an awesome thing. And you might succeed. Therefore, we have a war to the end to the finish against these guys. Right. That's the other thing, unfortunately. Right. We'll get to that. But meanwhile, what they, the conclusion is that we have to fight against these guys. And if they succeed, that'll be the end of God. That's the God out of the nation. And that we can't live with that. We can't uh, continue like that. Without God, we won't be. Shalom. So they feel they have to fight and attack this national uprising, rebirth, because of its threat to Yiddishkeit, to uh, the name of God. And the truth is, <coughs> that indeed, what they say is that they only have one half, these, what's called the nationalists. They indeed say, you ask them, are you trying to take out God from the picture? Are you... Again, only maybe the extreme will actually say that. I'm just putting these words in their mouth. Um, many are very connected to, and were connected to, the, the, the understanding of God, of uh, religion. They don't think you need to do put on the truth. But they're very connected to it. And he expresses that to the day. Uh, when you dig down, or you uh, hit the inner nerve, the tenth of a year, 
you can find that they would seem to be the most secular Jews. We mentioned a few stories that seem to be the most secular Jews, when it comes down to it, are very uh, connected to God, religion, to belief, without, again, understanding what they have to do with Tzilin, but this, um, they don't see themselves as people that are denying God. There was a visit recently, a few years ago, actually, this uh, poll taken, and it was amazing how the, the large, large, large majority of the nation saw themselves as uh, connected, as believers in God. Not that they believe that you have to do what we believe you have to do with the Shulchan Aruch, with all the details of the laws, but they don't see themselves as the deniers of God. And I'm just putting the word, let's go to the extreme. That yes, we're making a nation without God. A secular nation. Without religion. That's what they think. But the truth is they don't really have only one part. It's not like they're really holding one aspect which is worthless without the other. Like, all you have is the national side, which is valueless, which is worthless. The Haredi camp will tell them, if you don't have the spiritual side. So therefore you can cut them off. So they see them as holding a half, this worthless, uh, empty vessel. And therefore they can attempt to cut them off and destroy them. Because who needs that worthless uh, vehicle? Especially when it threatens the religious camp. But the truth is, if each camp has the whole, has everything, has both sides in it. Maybe as he says, on page Samach Gimel, on the bottom, we read this once, we learned this inside in more detail, but on the bottom of Samach Gimel, he also talks about the connection the spiritual, the Ruach Israel, the Ruach Elohim, the, the spirit of Israel, the spirit of God, the national spirit and the religious spirit, so to speak. And he says that they're so connected, the third line from the bottom, they're so connected and interconnected, the spirit of Israel and the spirit of God, the natural side and the physical side, that even that one that says <coughs> that he has no need for the spiritual side, he has no need for God, the Ruach Hashem. But since he holds, he wants, he loves, he desires the national side, the spiritual side, the divine aspect, dwells within his, the inner aspiration, the point of his aspiration, even against his will. He can say all day, I don't want the spiritual, I don't want the Shema, I don't believe in the Shema. That Nishama is inside of him. A Jewish woman that says, I don't know, Jews suffer, Jews have problems, I don't want my child to be Jewish. I'm just going to give birth to a body without a soul, without a Jewish soul. It's a package deal, she can say it all day. But the spirit is so connected to the body, that when the body comes, the spirit hovers and dwells within the, the aspiration of the mother to have a baby, a body, even against her will. The divine essence and content is within the nation. You can say all day to the contrary. These people can say we, even if they say, we don't want God, or we don't believe in God, or we want a secular nation. That they do say. But nevertheless, even though they say they're holding only one aspect, devoid of the other content, just secular nationalism. No God, no religion, no Ruach Hashem, no spirit of God. 
But the Spirit of God is there also. So, those people that believe that, and the religious people that see indeed, you can have such a thing, you can make such a thing. Indeed, you can have a baby with no neshama, if you wish, as if Judaism, Torah, the divine ideal of the nation of Israel, <coughs> is a man-made function, a man-made club, we learned that, remember, and you get it, which you get it? The Skulan of the Khirah, the inner divine content and the free will, which comes to reveal it. You get it, Takana, right? Letter 555. We talk about those two aspects that make up the, the Jewish people. The skula, and again, what you see here, the, the Ahdut Skuli, the divine aspect, the inherent, immutable aspect of creation that is created such. Anzu Yatatuli, this makes it appertain unto me, says Yishayel chapter 43. I mean, in the name of God, right? God says, I have created this nation. The same way, that's what the nation is. It's not what the nation says it is, thinks it is. It's a priori, it's a created essence. Now our free will, we explain, comes in to live up to, to express, to maximize that inner potential, that inner divine essence. But we don't make it, and we also can't destroy it. We can't get rid of it, that will. That if the secular people wish to <coughs> make a Jewish state without the Jewishness, then they can do so. But the second mistake is that they can be, they can't, they can't do so. So they are holding, they are bearing this flag of secular nationalism alone. One aspect of the Jewish people, the physical side, which is worthless without the other aspect. And therefore we come to fight them, he says, the Chimash Bukhah is Siyuri Porah, that's the Pasuk Nihetzir. To attack, to wage a war against this empty vessel. Who needs it? Who needs Zionism? If it's without the name of God, then we don't want it. If it's not religious. And that's, again, this is the approach up to these days also of uh, many religious communities, different levels of how they wage that war. There's some, not too far from here, there's a community or neighborhood that uh, has, in the Sidur, if I want, it's, uh, and Shomer Gilah, to add in the prayer, if you're out to add certain prayers of your own, to add the prayer for the downfall of the Jewish people, Jewish state, not the Jewish people. To pray for the downfall of the state of Israel. It wasn't handed, they already went to the you know, trouble of making a stamp, you know, because you have a lot of Sidurim and these people there, and so you have to stamp all these Sidurim to the air. And the other is a different aspect of the same idea, I'm going, I don't want to go into detail, we read once, uh, Quotation that the state of Israel is worth if it puts on filling, if it helps religion, helps yeshivot, then it's good. It's not, it's worthless. People cannot listen to it also from a certain Hasidic group also that conclusion. The um, state is empty, is worthless. Based on what? Based on, you see the people, the, the first mistake is you, you ask them themselves. <coughs> is there any spiritual value, content, divine, Essence in this nation? No, we're like everyone else. Like all the other nations. And they believe them. That's the second mistake. They believe them and accept that as if she can have such a thing. As if the woman can have a baby without her neshama. As if it's up to her. Nature, Amisha's greatness and grandeur is limited to what we understand, what we believe. 
Even the greatest rabbi, the greatest Makubalim, understand one, not even one iota of what the true essence of what is Amitra. What is that Nishama? What is that spiritual content of the nation of, of Tessis, of the Shekhinah? Luckily, it's not limited to any human understanding. It's way beyond that. So the fact that the seculars don't understand that, indeed, that means we cease to be what we are. So they say that they claim to have only one part, one half of the nation. But when they have all that half, they have the whole. And there is no half. We have no half value. When you have the light, you think you're having half the light, but you have the whole light. You have that baby, and the Shema is inside of it. Even against her will. So each camp ultimately has the whole. <coughs> Our goal, therefore, and maybe I'll jump to the conclusion later, what he says, also in Samach Gimel, Samach Dalit, also here, and many other places, Kufman Pet, Eric Dalit. But the goal is not to reject, to destroy, to pray for the downfall of that other half that thinks he's only a half. But rather for you, first of all, to know and understand that indeed, each half has the whole. The body is the outer dress of the, uh, that spiritual right soul, and the soul is the inner light of that external dress. So even if there are people that think Mistakenly think they only have one half, but they only want one part. The goal is not just to destroy them because of their mistaken image of thinking they have only one half, but to show them, to bring them to the revelation, to expose indeed that they have their goal is two inseparable parts. In other words, there's only one. That the two aspects of the same one. Show them, expose them this holistic view of the totality of the divine life in the nation of Israel, in soul and body of the nation. That you that thought you only had the body has indeed that spiritual content inside of you. And those that thought you could, like he said, only have, only want the spiritual side, how that spiritual side needs and wants to manifest itself, to give life, to infuse life and bring it to worldly expression in the body of the Jewish nation, in its land, to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. How do you show them? <laughs> First of all, by learning it, knowing it, being aware of it ourselves. If the psychologist, the parents, whatever, look at the child and think he's a failure, don't even know if the child says, I'm a failure, he says, okay, you're a failure. So based on that information, now I'll educate you that accordingly, that you're a failure. Instead of realizing, wait a minute, but no, I know that you're much more than you think you are. You have a mistaken image of yourself. But I have to know that, right? First I have to know what he really is, what's in front of me, and then to expose to him who you really are. Know thyself. But not to know, to try to convert him to be something else. To know who he really is. To expose the true essence of what he is. For that, you have to know what it is. You have to live that level. If you live this totality, this oneness, this harmonious, uh, holistic view of holy and prophetic and whole, of body and soul, of this higher view of Torah that encompasses all, the white light, in other words, then he sees that in you. He sees in you a reflection of himself that, wait a minute, my half, and I thought I only had half, but I see in you the, <coughs> the idealistic mold, I won't call it mold, I won't call it either... Um, some artificial putting two separate things together. There's unity. If you put up unity in front of the two parts, each one sees himself in the whole, right? You know what I'm saying? He sees how he fits in the whole. I thought that my part was the opposite of your part. 
The physical, the spiritual were two separate and opposing forces. You have to have one or the other. You can't have both. And then I see in you, or your ideal, your concept, that there's this holistic view that, wait a minute, the thing that I thought was important, the national vitality of a nation living in a land, developing itself and all of its forces, wait a minute, that's also in you. You also have that. And you also have the spiritual side. Wait a minute, don't contradict. They're not separate forces. They work in perfect harmony, the opposite. In you I see how they're totally ideal, in the ideal form of even more alive. That each one enhances the other and, and supports the soul of these. Like you said, the neshama of the, the, the spiritual is the soul of the, the life-giving force of the body, not the, the enemy of the body. It will give the body a true meaning and value and purpose. And more life, even more physical life. And that's the goal of the neshama. That's the function of the neshama is to infuse life into that body. And proper life, using it properly. But not to, in order to be holy, we have to minimize the connection to the body. You have to minimize the physical. You have to starve yourself. You have to live in a monastery. You have to do a celibacy, whatever, to minimize any contact and be spiritual. That was what we said at the beginning. Those separate values of other nations, other religions that can't fathom that yet. And that's why for them it is good, this separation of spiritual and physical. In order to let them be alive, they have to get rid of the shackles of religion. But the true religion, the true Torah, the true Shema, is not against the body, is for the super body. The super soul wants the super body. To be a mamlechet konim, the glory of the kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And that abide with for the priests, that we show the nation this guidance of how to live the physical and the spiritual together. How to do both. We mentioned it over and over again, we talked about that. In many places, the book deals with this issue. In the We're from, we're from all sides here. One, each side is thinks he has the whole. Has all you need. All we need is the physical. All we need is the spiritual. Hey, we'll learn in a book as in chapter Yudhet. In, uh, Orot here. There's a lot more to see. We have a lot more, uh, He has here, on page Ayin, I can see it now, on page Ayin, chapter Yudhet, three camps that are battling today in our camp. There were three forces that are in our camp. Three different aspects of, of society in the nation of Israel today. Not only today, but now especially these three forces coming back alive and each one thinking that this is all we need. The universal, the humanistic side, the nationalistic, the nationalism, and the religious, the individual, spiritual, religious side. And each one is now coming back and when we were separate in exile, it wasn't so bad. Each one was living like plants that grow separately, each one alone. It's fine, growing on its own. But now they're all coming back into one place, in one room. Now they have to live together. Now each one thinks that, no, but what's true is what I have, what I'm developing, the religious aspect. And the guy says, no, nationalism is what's important. I don't need universalism or religion. <coughs> Universalistic says, must be so. Nationalism is corruptive, it's borders, the world is one, and certainly about religion. Each one thinks and fights for the values, the ideal that he is sent to this world to, so to speak, uh, develop. 
And then there's a fourth group. Would you, again, would you ask, to be that umbrella organ, the neshama, that houses, that includes, that incorporates all, the white light, that shows all three that you're all right. Each one of you is needed and necessary. It's not one or the other. So they come to the rabbi, the great, you know, not the rabbi, they don't want to go to the rabbi, to this great super oracle scholar. No, so who's right? Is it the national is important, the universal is important, the liberal left universal, or the religious? No, you're all right. The divine voice will tell them they're all right, they're all necessary. In the proper measure, in the proper place, in each one. But that, again, is another paragraph there, how to do that and show that. But you're right, that's the fourth group, so to speak, that's what we're supposed to be. So meanwhile, we're being, uh, <coughs> I don't want to say, attacked, or uh, from both sides. The secularists say, ah, you're religious, and the, the, the old, what you call, what you call them, the orthodox, say, ah, you guys are so, you know, nationalistic, you're sacrificing religion for the sake of the fine favor in the eyes of the nationalistic side. <coughs> But that's not our problem at all. It's not worried about what the saints are saying. We know the truth and we try to and we'll hopefully expose to all the true Achdut HaSkuli to be filled with divine, the Or Hashem Echad, that divine one white light, that total holistic light of the divine that is, is not one guy, one guy's pocket. They're all necessary. They all make up. They're all branches of, extensions of the divine ideal. I brought another source to. Uh, hmm, I don't know if we should do it now. No, we'll go on a little bit more because I this point. We said there's a mistake of those that want just the secular side. And there's another mistake of those that think that indeed the secular side might succeed in, in making just the secular side without the divine, without God. So therefore we have to wage a battle to the end against them. Without seeing and understanding how indeed this battle should be waged. Indeed there's a battle. <coughs> indeed this is a problem if they come to set up a state based on European values. And we're suffering from that today. Not only the fact that they don't support Yeshivot or whatever. The national side will suffer. Not that the religious side will suffer. A national side without the spiritual side cannot go on. The body can't go on without a soul. So it's not without a soul. The fact that we just say that that's the body means there's a soul inside. But it's damaging. This misconception is not just what's the difference what they think. If the divine is there no matter what, so what does it matter what we think? It makes a big difference how we live our lives, how we run our lives. Definitely makes a difference. On the loftiest absolute level, they can't take out the divine name. But you can indeed, you have free will. You can live your life without the name of God and run a second and try to set up a nation without the name of God and you run into problems. Because the Jewish people will not be able to do so. No, they will not, not be able to because uh, it's forbidden. Because there's no such thing as the Jewish people without the name of God. And that's why when you try to live that way, your life, the nation will run out of energy. The national side will run out of the energy that put it out of its feet in the first place. The, the fuel that makes this nation run and kick and go and develop and fight and have the strength to meet 
all the challenges, is that divine energy. And if you're not aware of that, then you'll have certain kinds of weaknesses. Of again, not just that the spiritual side you avoid it, you, you weaken and try to kill or get rid of or avoid, but the natural habit you did want will become weakened and seem to be, uh, lose its value and it's, again, what we wrote about a hundred years ago in that letter also, in page Kufnan and Dali, of, um, uh, that this nationalism will end up hating nationalism, hating its own nation, its own and its Aristotle. What we call now post-Zionism. How did we predict that? It was so gung-ho then. Zionism was so full of life and uh, unquestioning its justice of being. But if you don't have the fuel for the first day, we'll talk about that. The first day doesn't need that fuel to be aware. It's a boost the child is growing without knowing where the fuel is coming from. But the second stage requires our participation more, our awareness of the adult stage, the adolescent stage, and he's searching for now to run the body. Now he has to know why we want he should run that body. And now he doesn't have the proper fuel. Now it becomes critical to the national side itself. And he writes very strong things what will be and what's taking place today of how the nation will even come against itself. But again, people that set up national movements will destroy that very, how do you say, uh, party. People that set up houses and buildings and cities will destroy those very cities. So maybe in their own hands, they're pretty right. A hundred years ago. Yeah. Okay, from my Now the ears are open to hear it. You can talk all you want before that, but they're not right. They're not ready yet. 
He is not open. You can shake the tree. They won't come off with it. Strongly inclined in where they are. Sometimes it comes to crises and through problems in life. And we'll see. We talked about that. Why specifically it comes that way. Why the went to Maharaj. Absence precedes the bigger existence. The bigger why there has to be a fall, seemingly a fall, to bring out a bigger form of life. To show, there's one simple thing now, is that to show clearly how the previous level is, is not enough. In other words, it's not like you had two choices and now you happen to choose, you know, the other way. The religious way, the better way, whatever. But there's two possibilities, there are many two possibilities. No. One possibility, like you said, comes to a dead end. You see the absolute, you see the emptiness, the in, invalidity of the, per, of the previous thing. Not that it's all wrong. Again, it evolves into a higher form. Not that the body is destroyed and we go to the spiritual. Not like you destroy the first floor and build the second story in the air. But then now you see the true meaning and bigger understanding of the first story. I, I, I realize, in my, in my, in my case, it forces out the higher level and it shows how the higher level is so necessary. It's not a luxury. It becomes life itself needs it, demands it. That's what you call the dead end. That you can't go on the other way. So here, they don't realize how to wage this battle. So there is a battle. And like I said, it has very severe results when you have a nationalism based on this misunderstanding. The question is how to wage the battle. In other words, to cut off the other side, to cut off this empty vehicle that has only half the picture, which is worthless. A state who needs a state we have religion. We don't want to take 2,000 years. We have religion. We have Torah. We have commandments. Without a state, we don't need this state. We don't need government and policy independence. Is that the battle? Or, to understand that you're cutting off, like the Ma'al explains in Baruch Hashem in chapter 18, <coughs> that <coughs> the, he comes the truth. There's the fruit and the shell. And if you cut off the, the shell, that seems to be bitter, who needs it? Who wants this to, you know, take, took a bite of this shell, of the kumpa, of the husk, and it's very bitter, who needs it? There's no way the whole thing, but when he cuts off that shell, what else is he losing? The peel, right? Cut off the peel from the tree. What's he losing inside? The fruit. There's a fruit inside also. I know it's a good metaphor here, but, Probably he uses it for this. Maral says there, the holy kingdom stems from and rises and blossoms up out of the unholy kingdom. The unholy kingdom. Like the way of the rabbi tell us over and over again, that the husk, the peel, precedes the fruit. Protects the fruit, keeps it, uh, it surrounds the fruit. Until the fruit is ready, then the peel falls off, having done its function, and then it serves its purpose. And then you see the fruit. But if you come in the middle and say, oh, I take this fruit, meaning the peel, that's all that was visible for the time being, and it was evil, it was rotten, it was uh, bitter, 
I'm getting the battle against the fruit. I'm taking them in the head. So I'm going to get rid of this uh, fruit. Not the fruit, but he sees. I'm getting rid of this evil nation, government, politics, uh, society, uh, state of Israel. Is that the battle to wage? Or, if you understand what is really in front of you, and then the divine structure of reality. You understand the way that God brings back the rebirth and the that we see we talked about. And you understand that the Nishama, like we said in Big Sam of Gimel, that the Nishama is inside of that body. All you have to do is show them their mistake, that they mistakenly thought they only had half, that they only had a nationalistic side, secular nation. Show them the true essence of the spiritual side that's within that body. Then they'll have both sides. Instead of cutting off the fruit, because it's not visible at the time being, show them the fruit that's inside that shell. In other words, prepare the fruit to become more and more ready and ripe. Yeah, the question is if we're, if we're ready, if we're ripe and ready to show it. Right, yes. No, we, meaning the Torah world, are we exposing that higher value of the nation? Do we understand what the nation is? If you just think, no, Judaism is just a commandment. We have to get back to doing the mitzvot. But what is the idea? What is the content of the commandment? What is the content of this nation? What do we bring to the world? What is the essence of the nation? Not what do we do with our body when we, we put on Philly. <coughs> what does it mean to have a kingdom of priests and a holy nation? What does it mean for God's name in the world? What does it mean for all of creation? All of mankind? But if it's just religion as opposed to fullness of life, like again, mitzvot, as opposed to national endeavors of army and, and, and or society of technology and, and wisdom, medicine and science. Why? That's a waste of time. There's the world, those things I just mentioned, of science and, and thought, and there's religion. And our goal is to bring them back to religion, what it was 200 years ago. But they had that 200 years ago. The people that say that's the goal, to bring them back to doing these both again. That's enough. And that'll satisfy the nation. So how do we get to where we got to today? They had that 200 years ago. They grew up in Cheder, they knew Torah. And then when they were faced with challenges, with goals, with ideals in the outside world, be it fixing society, communism, or be it other ideals of wisdom and, and philosophy, they left religion. If you see, they had a mitzvot, so that's all there is to Judaism, the mitzvot, that they already had. So why'd they leave it? We have to now expose, in the main sources we talked about and over and over again, we'll get more in the page Kupalik and Herod and others, almost endless, uh, what the rabbis, long, long time ago, told us what will be if we don't bring into the deeper waters of the wisdom of Torah, not just the practical side, the do's and don'ts of religion. Because then religion is seen, is grasped, is perceived as a do's and don'ts thing, and the world of values and ideals is amongst the nations, all these bigger isms of changing and making and then bettering the world. And Judaism deals with eating those spoons without understanding how those spoons and how the whole system is way, way, way beyond any humanism. It's a joke. You can talk about it beyond. It's, it's another world, another dimension. But that's not exposed. So they have the view, like we said before, like other nations are going through this process of separation of church and state, of throwing away the shackles of religion in order to free themselves to be, to think and to grow and to develop in this world. And the Jews think that's also by us the same thing. 
But first of all, the question is if we're ready, if we have that bigger Torah, that bigger perception of Torah, that holistic Torah, Torah view, <coughs> that shows how the Torah is in the Shema of all, not in the Shema of, of, of the commandments alone, but in the Shema of a living, holy nation, of a world, of worlds, of, of creation and more than that.
He's cut off from the divine. You are now incomplete. You are now without an arm, without a leg, without the... I thought there's a book of, uh, <laughs> the student of the Baal Shem Tov, right, the beginning of the Chassidut, Menachem Mendel Mizitzik, the teacher, I believe, of, and he was the teacher of the Magi Mendes, who was the teacher of the Baal Tanya, the beginning of the Babish, first the Babish Rebbe, or himself was the teacher. Anyway, Menachem Mendel Mizitzik, the student of the Baal Shem Tov, He writes in his letter, it's in his book, Free uh, Heart, on the Torah, but it happened at the beginning of his letter. He wants to honor, separate you from that which is forbidden, and warn you, even though it's obvious, I'm going to, I'll say it again, don't laugh at, don't mock, what we say about those who want to destroy it. But don't mock those people that you uh, that leave the Torah, you know, the evil, the secular. Certainly don't pray for their destruction. Then he goes on, and he says here, it is obvious and clear to me, like uh, in English, like the, the sun of the day, or at least in English, the clearest day, that one of the things, one of the main things, the reason, no, 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 excuse me, and the thing that is something that is most known to me, something that is known clear to me, that is the reason for all of this lowliness, the, the, the leaving of religion, the situation that we're in. That there's a despising of Torah, of religion. He says, because, again, he's all based on Chazal and sort of the Gemara, because the Jews are, no matter what, they are considered the children of Hashem. No matter what, meaning good or bad, religious or not religious, that is the essence, that is the objective level. And he, so what I said before, about who that laughs at, that mocks, that wants to cut himself off, not cut himself off, he wants to get rid of those secular, to keep the nation pure and religious, get rid of these evildoers. Those that separate themselves from the nation. No, actually, going away this before. Those that mock and ridicule the irreligious, he separates himself from the nation to become individual, to be like a cut-off branch from the tree. The Korach called Israel, and all the influences that come to the nation of Israel, he has no part with them from them. All the divine judgment comes to the nation. It's not that the secular now cut off. It's not it wasn't nice to cut them off. And, but don't you cut them off, you succeeded. The opposite. You are now off. You're the main. They are bingo, bingo. They're considered children of God no matter what. They can't detach themselves from this tree of life. But you, who ridicule them, try to get rid of them, and think that you, you understand Judaism as this man-made club that is just, these people can leave and get rid of God. You are detached from that divine blessing that flows through the nation. Here's the other, the other extreme. Not how bad it is to cut, this, cut them off, but if you think you're cutting them off, you should know that you're cutting yourself off. 
This is a letter he wrote to Russia. He came to Israel. No? He wrote there. He wrote to Russia. This is a Hasidic in Russia. Because again, there's a lot of talk and laughing about, you know, the secular, the religious, and all the complaints like today. Nothing new. But he said that you, not only are you cutting them off, but ultimately you're cutting yourself off from that flow of the blessing of the nation. So here I just want to say that if they think the solution to wage the war <laughs> is to destroy this empty vehicle, this uh, secular nation, who needs it? So one, as we even without our Menachemendo Mivitav, one, just a simple understanding, the basic, is that you will remain now with the, like you said, the Neshama without the body. Is it that healthy? That's proper? That's what God wants? That's what God commanded us to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation means to be without a body? It means a holy nation. A nation, indeed holy, but a nation. And we talked about the stages of the rebirth of that holy nation is first to be a nation again, to come back to earth again. And then more and more than the Shema comes in. That's our goal. To expose more and more than the Shema in the context of that reborn nation. Another thing we be the nation comes back and is being reborn we, and it thinks, it thinks, it sees itself only as a physical body. Therefore we reject the body. Just kill the baby. We don't want the body. No, we want the body with the soul. Ah, but the body is saying you only want the body. Okay, so destroy the body. No, show him that what you want is impossible. What you want is a mistake. It's in your imagination alone, not in reality. You cannot have the body without the soul. Live it. Be aware of it. Understand who you really are. That's the next line to what he writes. The bottom of Menhei, the last one. That <coughs> That if it was the met a possibility, if indeed it was possible to separate, to take away the spiritual content from the nation, but it was forbidden to do so. In other words, it's possible, but it's forbidden to do so. It's against the law. It's against the Torah to do so. But you can do it. In other words, practically, you might succeed. And that's why we're scared. Because you guys might succeed in doing that which is forbidden to do. In meaning, setting up a nation on the land of Israel which is without the name of God and rejects the name of God and will be the end of Judaism. And they think that this is possible. And if indeed, Rav Kook says, if you thought this was possible to do so, but it was just a matter of going against the law, like you can see it, like against the law, but you can see it. Then, then, the battle would indeed be, would have to be, directed against those that are holding half, the separate half of the nation, the secular side, and what, to wage the war, to destroy them, to swallow them up and to destroy them from the face of the earth. 
from the face of the nation. To get rid of them. Because if they succeed in doing this illegal act, they will put an end to the Jewish people. So we have to get rid of them before they get rid of us. That's it. That's the beginning of the sentence. If, if that was possible, you, the way you think, the way you, those that are waging that battle think, misunderstand, that indeed this is possible. But the book says in the top of the next page, but the truth is this impossibility and excuse me the, the preventing the separation or the lack of possibility of separation is not just that it's illegal but it's, it's possible it is an absolute impossibility and it was not doing so it isn't just in the book, the book of laws not to do so but it's in the realm of, the realm of reality that it can be done it is not in the realm of reality. It is impossible to separate. It is impossible to have this body without the soul. Like we said in Sama Kimon, that the Ruach Elohim Shorabe Tokhiyut Shibat Gam Even against their will, it's within it. Even when you're not aware of it. And that can cause danger and problems and, and, and like we said, we're living through. But it doesn't change the fact that it's impossible to do so. And therefore the war is totally different. Like the war, we said, if you could take a half, devoid of the other half, the secular half alone, taking out God from the picture, then we have to wage a war against it because uh, they're killing God. But he said, that's impossible. They can't take out God. There's no such thing. They can't take out the soul. You could say, you have no soul. I don't believe in soul. Whatever you want. The soul is there, one or not. The goal is, like you said, that we agree. Had to expose it, to show them, to make them aware. How to do so, you're right. Has to be more understanding and learning how to do that. Being living examples of it, showing the bigger ideals, maybe also crises that helps them along the way to wanting to listen to what we're saying. That's all true. But now, now we're talking about the principle. The identity the impassibility of that separation. And therefore the war is not to cut off half, because you're not cutting off half. You're cutting off the fruit. The baby with the bath water. You're cutting off the fruit with that shell. You're cutting off the Ruach Hashem that's inside of that Ruach Hashem. Oh, wow. And he's like, I love her. She's a Jew. Yes, it is. But as I say, it's like idolatry. The most explicit and one of the explicit sources is the rabbi from the the Aram Kodesh here. It is from the shul of uh, the student of Rav Haim who is the student of the Vilmagon, of David Tavil, Tavil, Tavil. He has a book, Beit Tavil, he has Rashod, and he says that the separation in Israel is idolatry. Cutting, separating the nation, as if there's two parts, or two separate identities, and there's people and wives. So he says what you, yes, he says that's idolatry. As if you can separate the physical from the spiritual. There's two values, there's two ideals, there's two dominions. That's idolatry. That's a form of idol worship. As if God is heaven and above, and the earth below is someone else's domain. There's the Jewish body, there's the Jewish nation, the physical side, and then there's the spiritual side. Never the twain shall meet, and there's two different forces. You're right. Are the two forces of equally apart from the God. Yes. Like, like, they're both from God. No, they're both 
manifestation no, that's not from God. Living a secular life isn't what God wants. No, 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 no. Exactly. Having a body, having a physical. Right. So you go back over and over again to see how we're going to convince the religionaries uh, no, 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 that they're very satisfied and they have religion, they have Torah. Yeah, right. How are we going to make them... Uh, <laughs> on one hand, it seems to be, in my youth, which I've already passed apparently, um, I used to think that it's very easy because the sources, the books, not our books, the Talmud, the Midrashic, the Biblical, the sources are so clear about these ideas of the oneness, the harmony, the, the two sides, the, the necessity of the body, of a nation, of a nation to manifest these spiritual ideals in the national framework. The Pasuk in the Torah, before the Ten Commandments, before the Ten Commandments, and do this stuff, of to be a kingdom of priests and holy nations, the ideal that you're presented, and where are we going? To be a kingdom of priests and holy nations. Well, the whole Torah is, you'd think the religion is the easiest one because they accept the book. All the books on the wall, whatever, just bring them the sources. Right. So that's what I thought. So I went to certain rabbis in uh, different places. I went for seven hours with this one rabbi, and one guy told me, go to him and he'll set you straight, whatever. Seven hours. Anyway, we'll maybe talk about it sometime. But my answer is what, uh, what I, <laughs> my conclusion, uh, is not so simple. What about Tagsal? the author of uh, well he writes referring to also the redemption process and he writes at the beginning he came to the end but he came to the conclusions also during the holocaust and he realized and he really thought the whole thing of what is God doing and why and he realized that it's all that God wants to do people back in the land and protect them. but he writes this that I'm agreeing sources and to whatever but he says in Hebrew, it's Misha Mishukhab Meikara. He that is, has preconceived notions that all the sources in the world will not change his mind. That's how the human mind works. Even the religious mind. If you have a certain idea, all the sources will not change it. You'll see, and there's a book that I can show you that he takes all these sources and shines the Torah. And he explains it doesn't mean what you think. It doesn't mean what you think. I'm taking all these arrows pointing one direction and he takes them one by one. No, it doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that. Instead of realizing, wait, all these arrows are pointing one direction, he goes, no. One by one shows you that it's not what you think. In other words, if you don't want to see it, this is about Eminence Nechara, this rabbi. That if, if all the sources in the world won't change your opinion. Really? What do you mean it won't change your opinion? If you go by Torah, really? you think that it would change your opinion? Look what Torah says. So he writes that, not... Oh, I agree with it myself, but he definitely does. I didn't have all the sources in the world. He so you should know that the arguments are good for one thing or another. I'll just tell you one thing. That my, the bottom line, the conclusion is that these arguments or discussions are good, uh, I think mainly, well, a few things. But one is for you. Because having to voice and vocalize and express these ideas and you hear the other opinions, and you have to go back in yourself and re-think and re-analyze. Wait a minute, maybe I'm wrong, maybe this is right, maybe what are the sources, maybe it's not so clear. So it forces you to either defend yourself and formulate and crystallize your, you know, you just thought, ah, it was true, it was simple. And he says, what does it say, that? Oh, 
one of the things in class, we write down the notes where it was, all of a sudden you come back. And one guy wrote me recently an email, what does it say, you know, all those words are one say, I'll show you on that. But now we've gotten to discuss it, now he has to defend himself. Now he wants, you know, he didn't take notes. What does it say, although we learned, you know. So now these things force you and bring you to uh, understanding more. But there is what our cook read, wrote, remember in the year, 555, five, five, that there is an influence. Even if you plant the seed and you see the results right away, or you see the results later, or it plants the seed that it'll take, it'll blossom only years later, or maybe the next generation that'll come out of this person, his children will reap the fruit of what you planted. But that's another topic of how to influence. We're not now giving you know, a symposium of how to uh, convince the world of But first of all, for us to know, to be aware of this bigger truth. And it's not simple, because in one way, because on the surface is what you see. You see the shell, the husk, the peel, the bitter, the secular. And they deny. You can ask them. Take statistics. Do you agree with what our book is saying? Are you really holy in your inner midst? Not be so. I'm secular. I don't believe I don't know all this. If you're asking the baby, do you have an Shema? He says, no, no, no. So that's what you go by, what the baby says. He's not aware. Indeed, he's not aware. But you're supposed to be beyond the baby to understand what's in the baby even though he doesn't know. And later he goes to adolescence and he'll need your guidance to know, so who am I? And if you don't know who he is, you won't be able to guide him. And you'll say, Mati Tom, I knew from when you were a child. Remember what you said? You were lousy, you were out, you were stupid, you don't have a neshama. So get rid of you. You should go back to where you came from. Who needs you? That won't put him back on his feet. That won't bring the nation to the next stage, the higher stage, the advanced stage, the fullness of redemption, the shift and the deep stage of understanding of living, being a nation and a holy nation. That will push him backwards a few years and maybe hold up his development or hopefully there are others that will provide the big understanding. But to think by yelling, ridiculing, laughing, uh, screaming, getting angry, praying for the downfall, that will help the nation back on its feet, back to be that kingdom of priests. But it takes a bigger view, an inner view, this divine view of seeing the world not just the way it is at the moment, but the stages of development to appreciate where it's going, where it's coming from, how it's unfolding, that I wanted to get to a little bit of another source in Mama Ariyali will continue tomorrow night. Amazing source about this relationship with the holy and the profane, the physical, how they come back to expression. And one who has that view, he sees the process. He doesn't judge by the moment. He looks at the tadpole. Oh, this is a tadpole. Who needs it? I wanted a baby. But that tadpole looks like a tadpole now. It is one of the stages of human development that becomes that great you know, human being that you want, that baby, that child. He judges by the moment. You see only that, very materialistic, momentary view. Then you'll totally misunderstand, misjudge, and hopefully not, but misguide that child. And our goal is to be, try to be there, to be among those few. The few, the more the better. <coughs> to be those selected, those that have a little bit more, a broader view, a more, call it holistic view, that sees Beyond the moment, time in its holistic view, all of space, in other words, the, the white light of everything, time, space, all the dimensions. You see the divine view more and more. That's what Torah is all about, to expose us, to link us up, our human finite mind, to the wisdom that is not limited to today or tomorrow or yesterday. And to leave the nation, especially the time of redemption, when that bigger transcending goal of the super future is now taking place, is now coming into this world. And it's not according to the usual rules of the way babies are born or nations are born. Because it's something, it's the super, it's not, it's not from this planet. 
the whole new set of rules you have to know how to understand and appreciate the genius that is growing, that is developing. So that we have to learn. That's what Orot is all about, and the writings of Rokok trying to expose and teach and train that bigger vision. <coughs> and then we can help bring this uh, process to its grand conclusions about the show. We'll tomorrow night. Mm-hmm.